Hello and welcome to the first episode of Future Side Chat. We have theme music now. Woo! Uh, anyways, today's episode is on electric cars. What do you guys think of that? That's a great first topic. Yeah. I'm turned up for it. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about electric cars because I've been doing a ton of research into buying cars, and I I want an electric car. It just seems eminently useful, and you don't have to you don't have to take them in for maintenance as often. They don't need a bunch of motor oil, and they don't need. Um, well, All I mean, those other things, fluids. <laughs> well, they probably still need some fluids. <laughs> but uh, basically the only thing that's bad about them right now is that they're more expensive than gas cars and there aren't a lot of electric charging stations. Um, so the, the, the amazing thing that, uh, for, to me at least, in the history of electric cars is that They've, they've sort of been, um, if you think about 3D movies, they've sort of come into vogue at certain points in history and then they've gone away again because the time wasn't quite right. And then they'll come back in a slightly different variation and then they'll go away again for whatever reason. And electric cars have been doing the same thing. They were The electric motor for the electric car was invented in like the 1800s. And it's just been amazingly useful and like it's really efficient at generating power. It doesn't pollute the environment, all this good stuff. But because it's a little bit more expensive than using gas, uh, well, natural gas or, or um, sort of non-renewable energy sources, people have not taken to using it. And I think that's really a shame because not, not even, I'm not even really that worried about the environmental side of things. Like, I am worried about it, but that's the least of my, my personal concerns. Uh, I just think that, like, the idea of not having an engine in a car seems amazing. You just have an electric motor that makes almost no sound. That's like, that's the dream. <laughs> I don't know. What do, you, what do you guys think? Mike, um, I'm done talking for a while. What do you think? About <laughs> uh, I think I agree with what you're saying. I remember in grade six we did a you know, science unit on electric batteries and that kind of thing. And I think electric cars were, were in the news back then in the their mid to late 90s, um, and yeah, the main the main hurdle was finding a you know a battery that would last long enough and be light enough and cheap enough. Um, you know, we talked about hydrogen fuel cells and that kind of thing. So I think now they've they've come to a point where batteries are at least uh, to the point where they're viable to be used in um, marketed electric vehicles. Um, and I think there's there's definitely a, a market for it and a future for it. But I think uh, hybrid cars are a lot more um, realistic to be to be marketed and, and embraced by the public. I don't think pure electric vehicles are at the point yet where where they can be. Like you said, they're quite expensive and they have their limitations compared to uh, to the combustion engine uh, variety of vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, so what about you, Nick? You would you ever consider buying an electric car? Is it if it, I mean Is it... if the price was the same, you'd pick electric, right? Like there's I'm almost certain I would. The only drawback is like, uh, you know, the issue of range. But like on a grander scale, like if you wanted to go on a road trip somewhere, like a really long trip, yeah, 
we don't have the infrastructure for that currently, like charging stations and things like that. If we did, like, and I think we will at one point because I think we just have to figure that out at some point, uh, I would definitely go for it. Yeah. I mean, Did that it, make any sense? Because I think I went back and forth, like, within that monologue. Well, you gave a couple reasons for it and a couple reasons against it. But, uh, I mean, I I was looking yesterday. I did a bit of research on the Tesla website, which is the most sort of well-known um, electric car that's being mass-marketed right now. Yeah. And the high-end model can get 400 kilometers range. Mm-hmm. And it'll charge back up. I think they said it was, like, four hours. At the, yeah. they have they have supercharger stations, and you can install like a fast charge system in your garage. But they, like basically, the whole thing is that unless you're doing like a road trip across a country, you're not going to be driving enough that that it, the range thing is going to be an issue with that with that kind of thing. The only problem with that is that it's it's even more expensive than the base model, which is already more expensive than gas cars. But the energy savings on that are going to be incredible. Like, electricity is way cheaper than gas in terms of, like, on a per-mile basis. It's not even close. It's just that there's a huge investment up front. And as, mm-hmm. as I've learned on many different fronts, people don't like paying up front if they... Uh, unless they absolutely, like, they have the math down and in the very near future, it's going to take over. Like, if, if we're talking about two-year phone contracts... That's the example I always go to. Nobody pays for a phone up front, even if it's going to cost them less two years down the road. People aren't going to pay for a Tesla when it costs $75,000, $80,000 if it's not going to pay off almost immediately. Even though it's, like it's like I said, it's good for the environment, um, it costs you less for the, the actual fuel itself. Uh, so it's kind of disappointing to me that all there's all these sort of roadblocks that have always been in the way as soon as electric cars sort of started taking off a little bit in the early 20th century uh, there were all these roadblocks especially on legal basis from uh, gas companies and um, and fuel companies that had these interests in normal gas powered vehicles um, I'm trying to because I would think that the battery in a an electric car is so big that it would be sort of unfeasible to swap it out. Like you wouldn't be able to carry a spare battery to replace the battery. But I sort of see like with the range issues in a Tesla, couldn't you have like a battery pack? Like someone would carry a gas can in the trunk of their car. Couldn't you just carry a spare battery that could get you an extra, say, 50 miles mm-hmm. to to a charging station? In my in my very uh, quick research on the topic on on Wikipedia, there there are a couple uh, notes there about um, those kinds of ideas, and uh, I guess just to talk about the the environmental impact because you brought it up uh, just right. earlier, um, you still have to look at it's not based on oh you know it doesn't use gas so it's you know zero emissions. You have to you have to look at the what's come to be known as the well to wheel. Um, carbon footprint of, of electric vehicles. And they've actually found that in parts of Europe where 
um, the additional energy demands on charging electric vehicles would be uh, supplied by coal burning fire or coal burning uh, energy. You're actually causing more emissions using electric vehicles than on on combustion engines. Um, and even parts of the U.S., you're you're still it works out to both 30 miles per gallon um, equivalent uh, carbon emissions uh, mm -hmm. using electric vehicles. Um, again, because of the the energy energy demands. Um, but then you have other places where you get, you know, 80 to 100 miles per gallon. Um, so it's, it, it, there are benefits, but it's, it's highly dependent on where your energy is coming from and, and how efficient it can be. Um, and then on the battery pack thing, um, they're saying that as far as the, the immediate cost is higher, the, the long-term cost isn't immediately offset by savings in fuel, but as far as repairs and just the fact that you can reuse batteries and use them as a spare, um, as they get older, so you replace it with a new one once you need that man, but with the older batteries, you can charge them up and use them for those 50-mile, you know, however long bursts of uh, a replacement battery uh, that you might need. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to look here and see how much the batteries weigh. They say that... The I don't know, I would, Sorry, I go would look into, like, the actual size of the battery bank in a te like a Tesla yeah. Roadster or something like that versus its range because I think like I, d I don't know how many batteries you would have to haul to get it to like the, the next gas station but it seems like it might be unfeasible at this point anyway right like I'm, I'm picturing a battery pack that would have a certain amount of capacity they're saying that mm -hmm. the, there are like the equivalent of a jerry can yeah mm -hmm. there are 7,000 individual battery cells in the Tesla that are about 322 kilograms. Oh, jeez. Which, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's it's 600 pounds or so. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you go back to, like, the whole, you know, the rocket equation, right? And it's like you're you're spending more energy lugging the juice around than you're getting out of actually using it, right? Right. And so the part, I mean, obviously, if it's cost, if, it, if the energy um, output of the Tesla is better on uh, than a gas-powered car, like in terms of on non-renewable energy sources. Obviously, it's it, right now. It's energy-wise, it's a bad idea to use um, electric cars. But the whole idea is that we should be we shouldn't be using coal to get electricity. We should be using wind or mm -hmm. hydroelectric or solar. I mean, that would be the ideal thing is to to be offsetting any carbon emissions that way. Yeah. As opposed to just using coal because yeah, that in that example, you're sort of screwed either way. Yeah. In Ontario anyway, like I think it would be incredibly feasible just because we have a comparatively very renewable energy makeup or sustainable energy makeup if you count nuclear. Like routinely nuclear is generating 25 to 30% of our power and 50% is coming from hydro. So, I mean, I feel like Ontario would be well set up for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the other nice thing about Ontario is that all of the, like, the, all the, the population is centered on one belt where you could have a series of charging stations along the highway and yeah, it'd be fine. Yeah. Well, even natural gas is cleaner than, than coal. Yeah. And I think, you know, with, with the advances in drilling and um, the drive to to exploit those resources, I think ideally they'll put in more infrastructure to, especially in Europe, to have those natural gas um, generating plants as opposed to the coal that they have now. Yeah, I mean, 
I think it would be interesting to talk about uh, the differences, the advances sort of, sort of in coal to natural gas to um, to electricity. I would love to give like my two cents right there because I've been reading up on it recently. Go ahead. Like in terms of Ontario's uh, coal plants anyway and how they're really trying to get them all shut down and whatnot, we actually have a coal burning plant up... Uh, it's either on Superior or Huron. It's like way up in northern Ontario. It's the Atacocan generating station. Mm -hmm. They've actually stopped burning coal, and they're working on like a full conversion over to wood. And I think that's hilarious because what else do they have up there but wood to burn? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, the idea that we're still... I mean, not still, but the idea that we're burning anything to get energy like it's just the least efficient way to do things you're, you're the only reason we're burning anything is to to generate either heat or momentum and there are just so many better ways to get energy out of out of the earth and out of the environment it's easy though like that's why they do it it's easy so it's cheap right it's easy but it's the invisible hand rob <laughs> it's horrible, and the hand is the hand is less invisible now with with lobbyists and with all these all like political pressures. It, it's not an invisible hand because there are subsidies that they can give out, and there are laws that they can make. It's sure. It's a lot less invisible than most people would probably think. It's it's certainly less invisible than I had first thought when I didn't know anything about politics or about lobbying. Um, but there's definitely a lot that that we can do as consumers and as citizens that that can change the way these kinds of mm -hmm. things work. And yeah. can, we can opt on an individual basis to pay a little bit more for solar power as opposed to just sticking to the old way of doing things and possibly like destroying the environment. I'm, I can't say for certain, I don't think anyone on Earth can, what's going to happen... Uh, with climate change and the environment and all that, but we should at least be trying, mm -hmm. as opposed to just sort of sticking with the old ways of doing things until they prove to be completely detrimental to the environment. Mm -hmm. It at least seems prudent to keep innovating and trying solar power, trying to use hydroelectric and wind power. It, it just seems irresponsible not to do that and mm -hmm. just sort of stick with what we had that worked. So, so Rob, what what do you think the government uh, needs to do to motivate the uh, the citizens of our planet to uh, to buy into that kind of thing? So I guess particularly pertaining to electric vehicles, short of Matt Inman becoming president and just being funny and encouraging people to buy them. Right, of course, <laughs> <laughs> and he would too. <laughs> um, so. I don't think it's a matter necessarily of the government giving us incentives to buy electric cars or to use um, renewable energy as much as it is a matter of the government not subsidizing the old ways of doing things or at least reducing those subsidies because they kind of they, they have it really easy compared to the incumbent um, and not to say that it doesn't happen because there are subsidies for electric uh, or for renewable energy use and like if you install I'm not sure of the exact numbers but if you install solar panels you get 
like part of that subsidized by the yeah, government. You do. You get an increased feed-in tariff, right? Yeah, and there's a there are subsidies in in uh, Ontario for buying a Tesla. You get eighty five hundred dollars off from the uh, the Ontario government. So these kinds of things are happening, and it's I think it's just a matter of time until it catches on. It seems like I'll go back to the three D example. It seems like three D really has hit its stride now, and this current implementation of it is going to keep going for longer than any of the other ones have until it does become sort of mainstream technology. I think electric cars are sort of the same thing. They're starting to come into the, it's starting to get to the point now that people are realizing that this actually is what's going to be the way of doing things soon. I think the um, like the best solution I've heard to things like that is uh, the one outlined in NPR's Planet Money in which you create a carbon tax that actually reflects the true cost of carbon. Sure. But so but like in their plan it ends up costing almost nothing like according to economists anyway cuz what you do is you take the money from the carbon tax and then you use it to reduce income tax for people. So like even though the net is almost zero because like for the average person the net loss gain would be zero. Um, you still have that incentive to not pay for the extra carbon being used. Right. So, like, especially people in cities who tend to use a lot less carbon, like, they would be much further ahead for it. But, like, I think it's only through actually charging the true cost of things that will incentivize moving to other sources of fuel and power. Right. Uh to go to go back to my uh, my other favorite analogy of cell phones, this the, you're, what you're saying now reminds me of usage-based billing for for phones, and uh, like obviously the system, the current system is broken, and the true cost of things is actually generally a lot cheaper than than we think, just in in terms of corporations trying to take profits. Like we, as the the average consumer, have no idea what a gas what gas actually costs gas companies. We just sort of trust that oh yep it's always going up. And meanwhile, they're sitting there forecasting how much they're going to be able to extract, how much they're going to be able to import, and they're setting prices to make money. But really, we have no idea what their profit margins are. It's it's hard to know because they're getting like. For them, now that they have the technology and they've found these these natural gas deposits, it's cheap for them to get it out of the earth. Yeah. And to well, I yeah, I can kind of comment on that because I've you know being in the industry, mm -hmm. um, you kind of hear a bit about profitability and you know you see that response and how much they're drilling and that kind of thing. Um, natural gas actually right now, I think to be profitable, they need to be at about three dollars per trillion cubic feet. Um, and I think it's just over that right now. Um, a lot of companies who are vertically integrated, they're able to drill even when it's lower than that, and they can just kind of hold it and sell it when it's higher, or use it for their own purposes. Um, but from from a crude oil standpoint, I think they're profitable between thirty to fifty dollars per barrel. Okay. Um, and they're at just over a hundred right now. So. You can kind of imagine. I think, and again, it depends on their procedures. But I think even sometimes as 
high as 60 or 70, they're profitable. But either way, they're they're making anywhere from 30 to 50% profit um, on the, the price of oil that it is right now. Yeah. And I, I don't know, but I feel like they would have to be getting government subsidies too to do this. Kind yeah. Of work. Well, they get, they get royalties for their for the mineral rights they hold. So right. the government is paying them to to produce the resources that are in in the province. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, it seems like a conflict there, just because because of what we know and like with the Kyoto Protocol trying to go through and basically failing in every possible way it could have. Um, come, like, the government, it seems to me, should be, if they're actually serious about, like, attacking climate change and trying to minimize our, our carbon use, is to stop subsidizing the old ways yeah. of doing things and to focus on improving the new ways. And not to say that they haven't been doing that, but to, especially the stopping subsidizing the old ways part, everybody sort of gets into a pattern of, of complacency and stops trying, like stops trying to innovate and, and come up with new technologies and they just do what they've been doing. And then if someone tries to take that away from them, they jealously like guard it as much as they can and try to stick with the way they've been doing things. That just doesn't seem like a very productive way to, to approach it to yeah. me. Well, how else is, is a province like Alberta supposed to generate revenue and, and invest in their infrastructure and schools and hospitals if they're not getting those those revenues from from their uh, resources? And plus, you know, we're we're sending money over to you guys too, so you can't be complaining about that. You're not sending it to us. Because <laughs> we are also a province. So. <laughs> not as much as Alberta, but we together are subsidizing the rest of Canada. Yeah. Just, uh, sure, in our own ways. In our just own just ways. hold up there. <laughs> Yeah, you're talking to the wrong group. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I think Ontario's the only other exception, but yeah. yeah. We've um, been like, we've been a have province since the inception of the program with the exception of one quarter, like one fiscal quarter. Yeah. But that being said, this is Canada and it's not a group of provinces, it's a country. <laughs> so we, we, there's no, like... Except for Quebec, except for Quebec. Yeah. <laughs> Alberta. Well, they're a nation within a nation, as exactly, I understand yeah. it. I mean, by that logic, we're all nations within nations, or within a nation. But I mean, Alberta ha happens to have these natural resources. It doesn't mean that it's theirs, and they get to jealously guard. It actually does. That is it actually. actually what yeah, it that means. is. <laughs> and that people think that, but I don't think it's necessarily true. I would strongly argue. I came here. Does that mean that I now lose out on that? Yes. Yep. <laughs> so why doesn't everyone just move to Alberta? They are. <laughs> you don't get it. You go there. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. You if you if you're a Canadian citizen, you uh, In all seriousness though, like yeah. like it's it's going to be a long process, but if we like like, we are addicted to oil currently as at least a mobile energy source for cars and stuff like that. Like, if you just stopped the oil supply, like, tomorrow, you would have, like, a 1970s-style OPEC crisis on your hands. Right, but I'm not saying stop it. I'm saying slow it down. Don't, 
Like yeah. we're still in. Oh, I, yeah. That's going to have to happen anyway, though. Yeah. Like right. it's not going to last forever. Right. But I'm saying let's start it now. Like we still we still have other things that we use petroleum products for. Yeah. It's not just gas. Yeah. We're polymers. <laughs> exactly. So let's get back to um, to electric cars because um, I've heard a lot of talk about, especially this week, because I've been paying specific attention knowing we're going to talk about it. Um, there are several other ways of making electric cars more efficient, or cars in general more efficient that electric cars can benefit from. Um, I was reading just this week about they're, they're finally starting to build cars that drive by wire, so there's no actual physical connection between the steering wheel and the wheels. That's, and that's how they've always been done. But like airplanes, for instance, if you've heard of fly-by-wire, that it used to be that when you when you press the pedal in the cockpit, uh, it would literally send like it would pull on a string, and the rudders on the back of the plane would would flex. And now they fly entirely electronically, and cars are starting to do the same thing, which means that you don't need drive trains, you don't need all this complicated mechanics under the car, and so it makes cars like 25% lighter. And so the the first generation, I forget even which car I, it was, but they were saying in the current generation they left all that stuff in, but it doesn't like it. It's not really used for it. Like it's there. There's it's primarily an electronic system, but once it once it becomes sort of a common thing to do, it, it's going to reduce the weight of cars by a ton, and it's going to make them less dangerous. It'll make them um, a lot easier to maneuver. They're saying that it's way more responsive when you have an electronic signal as opposed to literally pressing or turning a wheel or, or pressing on the pedal. Um, and again, I'm really excited about that because in terms of electric cars, uh, they can benefit from any kind of weight reduction in weight that is possible. And they're already more responsive because you don't need to rev an engine. You're just sending electricity directly to the motor. It's going to make them even more responsive and like, Electric cars, it used to be that you would have, it was sort of thought of as being a, like a, almost like a child's car and that it didn't get good acceleration. You didn't have high top speeds. And now they're saying like that on the, on the Tesla website, it actually lists their top speeds as though it's a sports car and like it lists its zero to hundred time and they're, it's competitive. Like the making cars lighter, um, reducing the complexity of the electronics and the actual physical components in the car underneath is all only going to make it more likely for people to buy electric cars and to, to want to buy electric cars. How, how reliable is the new electronic systems they're putting in? Because when you press on your brake and you're pushing the brake fluid down and actually engaging the, the brake pads, there's only so many things that can go wrong. Basically, your brake fluid line cuts, but with an electronic signal, like you can have a lot more potential for, you know, stuff to go wrong just when you integrate more electronics into that kind of thing. I think, and uh, eventual research will obviously say for sure, but it seems like there's enough human error that that sort of electronic failure possibility isn't even worth comparing it to. Like, it's not as big an issue as other inadequacies with driving and with car technology. Um, not to say, like, obviously, 
in, there are going to have to be safety standards and all this kind of thing, and there are backup systems that take place. Um, but all that I've read is that it's less complex, it's um, a lot lighter, and it's a lot safer overall to mm -hmm. have electronic systems in place as opposed to the physical drivetrain. So, I mean, not that that necessarily makes you feel any better until you see actual statistics on it, but there are so many accidents with cars that... I mean, when you get an electric self-driving car, that's going to be even... Like, that's just going to be at by far the safest thing on the road, no matter how many times... Like, if, you're, if your electric car that drives itself has a, a like, tweaking brake failure or whatever, it's still going to be way safer than... An electric or a uh, like a regular, I guess, car on any other kind of failure, like it's it's smart enough that it's going to reduce, it's going to make it safer no matter how bad. Just because what we're comparing it to is regular cars, which are yeah. horribly dangerous. Is that because of the autonomous part or the the electric part? Well, both. They'll they'll work together. They, yeah. The electric car will have its own limitations programmed into it. And so, like, the, I think I was reading that the self-driving Google car is diesel. Really? I think so. I don't, I, I should check that. <laughs> that's, that's what I believe I read. Um, but if that, if that became electric, that, I don't know, I would just buy that immediately, a self-driving electric car. Because it wouldn't need, like, all I've been reading is that it wouldn't need to be so big. It could be, it could, you could almost have a modular car system. Like, I, I've been reading, like, you can get one or two seat cars that would literally almost be like shopping carts. Like, you'd, you'd pay and you'd pull one out of the line. Like, it would be, it would be small enough that you wouldn't need to, um, you wouldn't need to store it in like it would be you'd be able to store it in a central place and you just literally grab one get in and plug in where you wanted to go and it would take you there and there'd be thousands of them in a the city and like there'd be depots everywhere it'd be like bike sharing program but for yeah. cars and they would well they that's would, called that's called car to go that's what they have no now. but those are regular cars like i'm saying like you would literally have right. a fleet of mini cars that wouldn't need to like they'd only need to go 50 kilometers an hour and they would get yeah. you in where you need to go in the city yeah really quickly if you wanted if you had a membership or whatever you would drive it home and you would leave it plugged in at home and then you'd take it to work and drop it off in the like but almost like a bin of cars you just like push it in yeah but car to go does have that they just don't have the self-driving part and the electric part what do you mean they have that i've never heard of this that's car sharing no but <laughs> it, it it's kind of it's it's sort of the next generation of car sharing, like it's, right, right, for sure, yeah. And I, but I think I think they're on a good start with right. having that that uh, the infrastructure in place and the brand recognition and that kind of thing. But yeah, I think once once the automation and the electric uh, parts of the the car come into that, then they can easily integrate that into their service. I think right, like it would almost be like a system of golf carts. Yeah, have slightly more power. Yeah. But you wouldn't need to. You wouldn't need to go really fast if you're driving in the city. You wouldn't need. You would need a bunch of trunk space necessarily. There might be like a almost like a wagon or a trailer yeah. or something that you could hitch on the back as you're getting it. 
Yeah. It'd be like well, one of those retirement villages with like golf carts <laughs> just everywhere. Well, but, and and the the car would be able to know which roads to avoid with the higher speed limits because it, you know it wouldn't go on like the Trans Canada or Deerfoot or that kind of thing because you'd have a you'd have the maps integrated into there and say oh I can't go that fast. Right. If we if we want to do a translation real time for Eastern people, we would say like it wouldn't go on the 401 or. <laughs> well, trans don't you guys have the Trans Canada? We do, have, but it's not yeah. near, it's not used nearly as much. Oh, okay. Isn't the 401 part of the Trans Canada? No. I thought. Oh, is it the 417 that's the Trans Canada? Uh, the four the 417 turns into the 17, and the 17 is part of the Trans Canada. That's what it is. But the 400 series isn't. Um, this is interesting. <laughs> I, I really think it's diesel. What, like, do you do you not think it's diesel? I'm trying to figure out what 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 would the problem with diesel be? Diesel is technically better than. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to be cleaner, better yeah. mileage. Uh, da, 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 da. ooh, it does. Out. What? Oh, I was just going to mention that. I was in a taxi the other day, and it was a Prius. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a hybrid hybrid Prius before, but it's kind of cool. It has, like, its little, like, uh, not a heads-up display, but a little dashboard, and it shows what type of power it's using. So it will show, like, a little, like, battery part here, and then an engine here, and then it will have, like, arrows going to and from the battery and the engine, depending on if you're using battery power and then when you're braking, you'll have arrows going towards the battery, saying that it's recharging the battery. And then depending on how fast or acceleration, it'll have the arrows going from the engine to the drive to the axle, and then the battery going that way. And it's kind of cool just seeing how the computer just decides which power source to use, depending on how much acceleration you need and that kind of thing. Right. I have seen that. It's really neat. Yeah. yeah. So I'm reading, and apparently they're actually electric. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Your dreams come true, Rob. Already, Which is fantastic. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've seen the the video they made to promote it. You can show but us. Yeah, definitely. It's it's like getting on a bus that goes exactly where you need to go. Yeah. You get in and you sit down and it goes. Do you have the video right now? Well, I can't. I mean, I could try to play it here, but it wouldn't work well. No. <laughs> do you want to try? Yeah, I'm I do. Gonna, I'm yeah. Not, okay, we'll try. It's gonna fail. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Positive attitude, Rob. No, love hearing it from you. Is there no, no like YouTube plugin for Hangouts? YouTube plugin, we can watch it, but people on the thing won't be able to see. Oh, it. how come? That's just how it works. We'll try. Here we go. Are you ready? Okay, let's see it. I've never done this before. Phrasing. Oh. Uh, can you even hear it? Yeah. Try it. Today we have something extra special for you it's guys, gonna be and you guys will be choppy. the first people outside of our team and outside of Google to ever drive me. I really like it. I mean, let's be honest here. That's a cute car. Adorable. And I like that it only has two seats. Like, if you had a modular car, you wouldn't all need to drive in the same car. You could take, like, three or... You could take a fleet of cars if you had a big group of people. There's no trunk space. That's the blind guy. 
really their their prototype game. Like a blind guy can drive a car. He can go places he needs to go. I I just love that idea. But in the small amount of time we've been working on it, we have functional prototypes. That's exciting. Oh, it's really a little cool. kid who's too young it's to drive. Really kind of a space oh no, she's blind experience. too. I, I even like. I don't think it would ever get old. This would always be exciting. Every time you got in it, it would just be so fun. It actually rides better than my own car. Yes. What she really liked was that it slowed down before it went around a curve. And then accelerated. You know what I think? One of the best things about these kinds of cars um, is that, like, they were talking about their their new algorithms and saying that, like, a bike. They they showed a demonstration of a bike coming out into the lane in front of it, and it would automatically slow down, and then the bike would sort of move off to the side, and it would start to speed up, and then it would come back, and like that would frustrate a driver so much, but the car doesn't care. The car just doesn't, it's not going to cause an accident. It's impressive. I'm, I'm totally in love with this whole concept. And, uh, yeah, so I really, this blind guy, this is enough of this video. You get the, <laughs> the blind guy loves it. There's this blind guy, there's this blind guy, there's this old guy. There's a blind guy and an old guy. There's an old blind guy. There were, young, there were kids, too. There's a blind child. There's a blind child, too. <laughs> <laughs> There was a regular children, thing. blind children, <laughs> old blind children. <laughs> These are people that have never been able to drive, and now they can. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, yeah. If yeah. they were selling one of those, I would pay so much money for it, even though, even though I'd probably have to design the map for Ottawa myself in order to actually drive it. It would just be so fun. Yeah. Even and it's only slightly smaller than the car to go in Calgary. Yeah. Did you just read that, or do you know? Or do you no, know? like the car to goes are like minis or something. Yeah, no, there's, there's, they're smart. Are these? No, I think they're smart cars. Oh, okay. So even yeah, smaller smart than minis. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. I'm gonna. I don't. I want Ottawa to have these now. You guys don't have car to goes. No. No. There's some car sharing program there. There are car sharing programs for sure. There's like Virtue Car, I think, is the one that I've seen. It's more or less the same thing as I understand it. I could be wrong. Are those smart cars too? No. No, they're slightly bigger. 84 miles on a full charge. Huh. I like the little gleam in your eyes. You read that, Rob. 84 miles. I said, like, where, where could I go with 84 miles? Wow. <laughs> I could go anywhere and back. Hmm. Unless it was like Belleville. <laughs> or London. Yeah. <laughs> Austin, Calgary. Montreal has them, but not Ottawa? What's this? Montreal Mon is a little bit bigger than Ottawa. <laughs> a little. Montreal and Toronto are also the cities that have Tesla dealerships in Canada. And, uh, yeah, we don't have them. I want one. I want to just go. I want to take a test drive. I want to go through the whole rigmarole of trying to buy a, a Tesla. I don't even I care if I actually get one of you. I just want to try. Sorry? I was in a Tesla dealership once. It was in uh, Miami. Did it change your life? That's what I need to know. I bought a mug. Oh. <laughs> I, I bought a Tesla. 
I also like like admittedly I wasn't familiar with the frunk concept and right. the salespeople just didn't think I was gonna buy a car apparently. So I was just like, why is there no engine? Like, did they just take it out for the display model? Like, what a strange thing to do. <laughs> did you say this out loud, or did you just think it? I thought it. Okay. <laughs> it didn't look like a complete non-player person. Yeah, no, I thought it was just, like, a really weird display model. Yeah. I should have known better, like, given what I know about these things, but... I want to specifically... I know you guys have both seen it, but I want to specifically direct anybody still watching. Uh, still watching. All right. Rob's mom, this is for you. <laughs> to go and read uh, what the oatmeal wrote about the Tesla. Because, man, he makes it sound so good, and he has no stake in Tesla motors or electric cars. It's just... You should go read it, theoatmeal.com. It'll be right there. It's. It'll be in the show. It'll be in the show notes as well. I assume you guys both went through the whole thing because how could you not once you opened it? Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, the, even the fact that it would just it, like it has a, a literal computer in the dashboard, and it like it runs silently when you get close to it, it just starts running. Like, you sit down and it's it's already running and you don't hear it. <laughs> That's fantastic to me. The, the I was reading when I was on the site, there are all these extras you can get, but the things that are built in are, like, when you when you have the charging station in your garage, you can grab the not, like, little charging nozzle, walk up to the back of the car where it is, and the, it's, the port is hidden inside the headlight. Like, there's a little window that opens up as you approach with the nozzle, and it just opens and you plug it in. It's... Fantastic. The, that does sound amazing. The doorknobs are flush against the thing until you approach them with your hand, and then they pop out. Like, oh, man, they thought of everything. And it's it's like a spaceship that doesn't take yeah. off. Wow. <laughs> I guess now that you bring up the uh, the cool factor, do you, do you think that that's going to be... That, that, that will be maintained and be enough to sell those kinds of cars? Or do you think eventually it'll just be another car. I think so. I think that there's enough there's enough pros about not like electric cars have a lot of pros, but this particular electric car has so many pros that it's literally turning over decades old legislation about selling electric cars in the states. And the states tends to be especially with things like cars where there are just millions of them there. They tend to be sort of testing grounds for how legislation and politics are going to work around a certain topic. Um, like I'm, I'm just going to start quoting this this story. It was given a 5.4 of five star safety rating. Like that's <laughs> obviously it's the highest safety rating ever given <laughs> because it, like more than the number of stars. <laughs> yeah. Like they're saying because it has no engine, the entire front of the car is can just crumble in to protect you from injury. And it has a low center of energy or a low center of gravity because the battery packs are underneath. Um, when they did a rollover test, it broke the machine that was supposed to break the car. <laughs> like, it's, it's fantastic. It, um, someone crashed into a concrete wall at 110 miles an hour and walked away because they were in this car. Like, it's, it's incredible. I literally... What about, the, 
There was the one fire or something like that. And then, like, that day, they figured out what the problem was. And then they automatically updated every Tesla on the road. Wirelessly, yeah. To, like, move, what was it, like, move up or down just slightly, and the problem was fixed for every Tesla in existence. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Oh my god. That's why they have 5.4 stars out of 5. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the idea here is that they're saying that there are, there are fires and obviously when a new car or a new technology or something comes out, when it catches fire, that makes the news no matter mm-hmm. what. And so they said there were three Teslas that caught on fire. Everyone was like, "Oh no, they're so unsafe." But there's literally like five times more gas cars that catch on fire all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But they don't make the news. Right, because it's just a car on a fire. (laughs) (laughs) If you watch a movie, cars catch fire all the time. (laughs) Do you remember the Canyon Arrow song from The Simpsons? Yeah, yeah. Top of the line in utility sports. Unexplained fires are a matter for the courts. (laughs) Canyon Arrow. (laughs) Unexplained fires. (laughs) Gas engine thing. Yeah, it's uh anyways, I I mean, is there anything else you want to say about the cool part because there's so much you could say. Uh it has a smartphone app that connects to the car. Like the car has a literal computer, so everything that you can everything you could possibly change on the car can be controlled remotely. Mm-hmm. Like you can chart you can see how close it is to being charged remotely. You can see what your what your remaining range is. On your phone, like it's, it's unbelievable. I can't even. I just want it so badly. It's everything I didn't know that I wanted, but suddenly <laughs> need. Yeah. Well, no, I always knew. I would not. I don't know if you'd asked me. When did smartphones come out? I want to say ten years ago, but I think that might be. That's a stretch. If you told me like twenty years ago that you could have an electric car, there would just be a super or supercomputer equivalent in your pocket, it would remotely check the range of a car. you just yeah, be like, that. okay, Mr. Science Man. None of that is even remotely possible 20 years ago. Now it's... I mean, now it's not common, but it's definitely something that's within the realm of... of where, where's, where does the car hook to a phone line so you can communicate <laughs> with it remotely? Uh, speaking of which, I'm re-watching Seinfeld and watching them get cell phone and then car phone technology is just, it's so fun to watch. It somehow stays relevant and yet dates itself at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, so, another, like, I guess we'll talk, the last thing, we'll just go a bit into the future. Mike, you, you had a story you wanted to bring up about not going to talk about your other story, but let's talk about the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I I don't know. They have uh, you know, everyone's talking about uh, range anxiety and that kind of thing. Um, but you know, they're they are making advancements in uh, in the kind of range that you can get. Um, and so this specific one that they demoed, they drove eighteen hundred kilometers from Toronto to Halifax without having to stop for a recharge. Um, that's that's the technology they're looking at is being able to do that, um, and so they've they've demoed that kind of that kind of range uh, being possible, and um, and I think that's, Good that's God, really 
Well, they they, they didn't actually drive that far. Um, no, but like for like from Toronto to Halifax. Yeah. Jesus. So so that's that's the that's the future of of the range, I guess, of of electric cars. Right. Um, and and I think you know I. Going back to how much do you actually realistically need, I think, you know, for the amount of times that I'm going to go on a road trip that's going to require longer than 300 kilometers, I'll probably be okay renting a car, like right. a gas car, that uh, that will take me there. And for the rest of the time, I'll just use my electric car. Um, right. Not that I have one right now, but yeah. if I did, then then I'd, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing, you know. We've we talked about getting like you know a van. It's like, well, how many times are we actually need the space that a van offers, other than you know moving? So it's like for that, we'll just rent a truck. So you don't you don't it's not worth getting something that you're not going to need on a daily basis, kind of thing, right? So, yeah. Um, but I think just the fact that they're they're looking at extending that range of electric cars to make it more palpable for the public to to buy into, then I think that's promising. Because mm. I mean, you you wouldn't need you'd only need what 10 hours, 12 hours of straight driving in order to make any argument about battery irrelevant or at least almost any argument about battery like range anxiety or uh, range anxiety relevant mm-hmm. because eventually humans are going to have to stop driving long before the battery is going to run mm-hmm. out yeah yeah i get tired enough driving 45 minutes like home like at the end of a long day like I'm not worried about being able to drive like six hours in a row. Like right, exactly. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you can always plug into an outlet, and then it'll charge up by the time you're ready to go again. Yeah. There's there's so many arguments. People are saying, and I guess we'll end on this. Um, battery technology is is sort of the last thing that needs to have this huge advance. If battery power gets say ten times better in the next five years we're going to see this huge, like what we've been doing so far hasn't been really getting battery technology better, it's been getting computers more energy efficient. If we can get a jump in battery technology, suddenly all kinds of things we can't even think of right now are going to become possible. You'll be able to run, suddenly solar power can take over because we we will have battery capacity to be able to store way more energy, whereas right now... Uh, for instance, gas or not gas. When you when you burn coal or when you burn whatever fuel source you have, you can't store this stuff for very long. So they, when when you, um, I'm I'm explaining this badly, but when you when it, like uh, either natural gas companies or whatever burn stuff for electricity, they they have to waste most of what the electricity they're generating because we can't store it. We don't have either capacitors or batteries or anything that have enough capacity to store as much as we use. And so if you had batteries that could, say, store 10 times more energy, or if you had capacitors that could store lots of energy, suddenly an electric car becomes a laugh. Like, it's there's no worries about range, because you can get 10 times the range with, like, a very minimal effort. And... It's sort of inevitable. Like it's a matter of when we get to this technology, because we're unlocking sort of the inside workings of the atom, and really, it is a matter of time until we start being able to take advantage of those kinds of things. Uh, like the 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 amount of energy that's stored in ten grams of 
matter is just ridiculous. Like, it's enough to power uh, a small city for whatever amount of time. I'd, I'd have to go do the math if I wanted to actually give you a number there, but... MC squared. <laughs> well, I know. I'm not going to go calculating MC squared, but the, the example that I've, that I've heard is that 100 grams of material is more than, I think, every nuclear device we've ever exploded. <laughs> and If you could unlock all that energy. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. Even if we don't unlock all the energy, if we could unlock, like, 1%, we'd be set. We wouldn't need any alternative fuel sources. We wouldn't need non-renewable. We would just be able to use um, that magical device, the Mr. Fusion from Back to the Future, and we would be fine. We could power cars on garbage. <laughs> and I think it's, again, it's just a matter of time until we're, we get there. We're obviously not there yet, but I think within the next 10 years, we st as we start getting to, towards like the singularity uh, with computers and artificial intelligence, how can somebody not at least make a breakthrough to get battery technology to be better? It's just, these are the kinds of things I think about in the future of... Mm -hmm. The only problem with, like, the future of battery technology in that sense is that right now we're, we're working with, uh, or at least my understanding is we're trying to work with lithium-ion batteries mm -hmm. and, like, carbon nanotubes to try and like, in terms of channels and transfer and stuff like that. And, I mean, what element are you going to use as a charge, like, a charge uh, currency that's smaller and lighter than lithium? Well, electrons. <laughs> Protons? There's got to be... There's, you can, I mean... I think you're talking about hydrogen, uh, hydrogen ions. Yes, I am. Why... <laughs> <laughs> the density is protons. <laughs> it's they would, and even at that point, it would only be like a third of the weight of lithium, or no, a sixth. That is impressive. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm not well versed enough. I think Nick, you probably are well versed enough to give us an advanced discussion on on battery technology and how how you could use protons to create an alternative, better battery. Nope. I would like that on my desk Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, know, fuel cells, man. Well, I agree. And fuel cells, I mean, in terms of, even in terms of space flight, you can think of um, ion generation and ion thrusters as a sort of fuel cell, like something that doesn't need to carry around its fuel. That can get its fuel from the environment as it's going would be another huge advance that wouldn't necessarily require big batteries. They would just require... Whatever. I think we have a slightly different understanding of the word fuel cells. No, fuel you're, cells. Using, you're, you're using fuel cells in a very specific chemistry way, and I'm thinking more... No, that's what fuel cells are, Rob. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, when we're talking about a fuel cell, if you had a fuel cell in a car, it would suck in oxygen and it would release water, whatever it is. It it's a fuel After cell. Burning the hydrogen or whatever else it's carrying with it as a fuel. But there are, there are, there are at least theoretical technologies that don't require a, a literal fuel on board. Like when you're talking about ion thrusters, there are things there. Oh. You can, okay. That would be at least to me, maybe not technically, but that to me is still a fuel cell. It's just 
not. No, it's not. It's so not technically put, a fuel cell. Are we gonna put ion thrusters on our electric cars now? I think that'd be cool. <laughs> There's way too much drag from the air, though. <laughs> no, but that's the is that you'd have you'd have a hood that would suck in. And everyone behind the ion thruster? <laughs> it's just like a huge cancer gun. Yeah. They wouldn't... They wouldn't they, you wouldn't accelerate them out the back. Like, uh. <laughs> when they were... Can I just poo-poo any more of your dreams? Just <laughs> bring them up one by one. The future is murky. I'm not an advanced electrochemist like Nick. <laughs> I I want there to be. I, I don't think if you're shooting ions at the back of an of an exhaust pipe, I don't think you're gonna get damaged by that. Like it's gonna hit the air and stop long before. You're not shooting out gamma rays. <laughs> I don't know. Like, don't usual ion thrusters work off like xenon? Well, you wouldn't use a usual one. You would use a new one that's safe. Xenon... How many ions would you have to eject from, like, a car to move a car on the Earth, though? Like, it works because it's in space. I know. No, no, no. That's, that's totally different. You're right. That's a totally different thing. I, when I was talking about ion thrusters, I was thinking about space travel. You're okay, right. So you, want, like, you want a Mr. Fusion in an electric car is what you want. I do. I mean, it wouldn't be. I think we would all it, like that. It would be a nuclear car, is what it would be. <laughs> and yes, that's exactly what I want. Yeah. For articulating yeah. that, I want a nuclear car. And see, Your exhaust would be like helium, or <laughs> you had a really good one, I guess, like iron, maybe. <laughs> see, that's like, why we're having this show is future tech chat or future side yeah. chat in this case. Wait, honey, future I gotta pull time. over and empty out the iron from the back. <laughs> <laughs> Damn most stable nuclear isotope there is. <laughs> you could just plop. You would just plop out in a little ball every few <laughs> The road surface would be curved slightly, so we would all roll to the side. <laughs> I want that now. Now I will. I think we all want that, Rob. <laughs> get a nuclear car that poops iron. <laughs> It'd be like. Uh... Nibbler from Futurama. Yeah. I don't watch Futurama, but I accept that analogy. It's like plops out a really heavy ball of excrement every <laughs> once in a while. I think we all want that. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end it. I think we've, we've gone far <laughs> enough into the future that we can, we can say that we successfully finished the first episode of Future Side Chat. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> And I look forward to many, many more and, and talking about technologies that are and are not feasible for the future of, of everything. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. As always, it was excellent talking to you guys. And to you. All, mine. All right. See you next week. Bye. See you guys. Good luck.